0: Listening to Europe Calling with Terry Whitehead and Vince Tracy. All the news from Spain and the UK. Things you might have missed. Very good day to everybody. It's the 20th of January and it's been a bit nippy today. Nice down by the sea, but certainly a bit nippy we going to get into the car, go about three quarters of an hour down in the direction of Benidorm and then we'll meet up with Terry. So good evening, welcome to you Terry, how are you? Alright
1: a bit, a cold to be honest with you, yeah, un- unseasonally cold. January's normally not too bad and we get colder weather in February, March, really, but um, I think it's, um, it, yeah, it's definitely turned a bit colder. But I think temp- temperature reads reasonable, but there's a bit of a windshield factor that's making the difference.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, I, I certainly felt it today when I was out. I, I definitely, um, yeah. it's as cold as yeah. the news coming from France where Emmanuel Macron has blamed Britain for migrant deaths in the English Channel and called on Brussels to be tough on fishing licences as the bitter row with London continued at the European Parliament today. As France took over the presidency of the EU, Macron took the opportunity to accuse Boris Johnson of putting lives at danger because of his migration policy with record numbers making the perilous journey across the Channel in dinghies. The French president said current rules encourage illegal migration and do not allow for asylum seekers to seek lawful ways into the country, pushing migrants to attempt the treacherous crossing instead. Now, the row between France and Britain has rumbled on since the tragic sinking of a dinghy in November, which led to the deaths of 27 migrants, with both countries uh, placing the blame on the other His comments came as it was revealed today that nearly 1,000 migrants have arrived in the UK already this year after 168 landed in Dover yesterday. Macron, addressing Parliament in Strasbourg at the start of the six-month presidency, also said the EU and the UK need to regain trust in each other in the post-Brexit era in a reference to the ongoing dispute over fishing licences. He said, we want to make certain that the agreements entered are um, respected when it comes to the rights of our fishermen, or the Northern Ireland Protocol or vital discussions which have to be had in the future. Let's be clear, let's be tough when we say that the conditions of agreements entered into have to be respected. That's the way to remain friends. Okay. well, I think um, Macron has been... (laughs) waiting for this opportunity that you know uh, speaking from the presidency of the European Union um you know that, that he feels that he's got even more clout now uh, to be as nasty as he possibly can uh, how do you see what those comments he's been making today
1: the man's a useless waste of space uh, he really is it, it it saddens me to see across the world that the the quality of so-called premiers of nations, I mean, Donald Trump leads the field on this one, um, uh, that that are are voted into positions of extreme and total power. Uh, Macron, from the day he started, um, it was a new party that he he was leading, and uh, he he sort of got thrown into power on the back of the French electorate, uh, deciding that the the, the usual parties weren't good enough. Um, but from day one, he's been struggling with his position. with the Gilets Jaunes protests uh, uh, in Paris, you know, with the the, the yellow-shirted uh, uh, protesters in, literally turning Paris upside down, setting fire to things. That went on and on and on and on. Uh, he, he has no cojones, as we say in Spanish, whatsoever. The main problem he has is up for re-election very, very soon, and he's desperate. Desperate, desperate to get as much credence as he can amongst the his, his electorate, uh, and so he's jumping on every bandwagon he can think of. Now, regarding his claim that the UK are at fault for the deaths in the Channel, it's very easy. The UK have said, "We'll, if you send them over, we'll send them back," and if we send them back, there will be no, there won't be any any illegal uh, immigration from the coast of france there won't be any deaths in the channel because all those caught will be sent straight back to france so they would have spent their money and risked their lives for nothing and of business for the for the uh, for, for the evil people who are organizing these things easy to do what does he do he bans it and turns it down straight out of hand well good luck to you macron because you're a waste of space he, he just thrives on on the. Uh, on aggravation and getting his, keeping his name in the papers. And as you rightly said, with France uh, leading the, the EU presidency for the next six months, expects a lot more of this uh, uh, posturing from, from the pompous idiot.
0: I think the other thing that uh, is not too pleasant when you look at it is you keep getting stories about the fact that Britain can give money to people that come illegally into the country. We hear tales of them being put up in hotels. Um, All this against a backdrop of the population being locked down, having to do this, having to do that. And yet you do wonder whether or not the same is going to be applied to the new intake of weekly... Illegal immigrants, I mean, that's not beat around the bush. These are not economic migrants no. in the slightest, are they?
1: No, 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 no they're, no, they're not. They're not for refugees. There's obviously going to be a few refugees amongst them, but the bulk of them are of a certain age, um, with posh trainers, a smart iPhone, and the passport seem to have disappeared into the drink on the way across. The There's the thousands upon thousands coming across there, uh, which obviously... Causes distress to the to the British social system uh, in having to uh, to look after these idiots, um, posturing idiots who, who who normally pass through seven or eight different countries to to get to the to, to the of Co- Calais and then risk their lives in a rubber dinghy to uh, to go to the UK um, where they know they're going to get fed and watered, housed, clothed, uh, regular money payments, everything you can think of. Uh, of course, what you expect they're going to do, of course, they're going to do it's absolute Shangri-La. But, you know, charity uh, should be should start at home, it has to begin at home. And it's about time Britain sought something to do with that. There was um, talk, Priti Patel, the, the Home Secretary, has been talking for a while now about transferring these immigrants to Rwanda or other such lovely resorts where they will be um, basically in concentration camps. Until they are processed, Um, and if and on processing, the bulk of them are going to be sent to wherever they they they, well wherever they can go. They haven't got a passport. I don't know where you're going to send them, so they can live in Rwanda. That would be nice for them. Um, So bring that on. Uh, As soon as that happens, that will help deter. But but honestly, Vince, the simplest thing of all is a simple solution that Boris Johnson had. We will take them straight back to you. And that will end the problem immediately, absolutely immediately. It will end it. No more deaths in the Channel. No more illegal immigrants. No more, no more uh, uh, villains making fortunes out, out of out of out of misery. Um, and and then the, the, so the, the that's it. It, it. Do it. Get it done. So why
0: why do you think he doesn't do this? Because you, you know you say it. I he feel it. Want them,
1: Vince. It's, it's very easy for him uh, that, that all, all the immigrants, all, all the immigrants, a large part of the immigrants seem to arrive on the coast of France. And from the coast of France, they then disappear in rubber dinghies under the watchful eye of the French uh, um, um, uh, border control, who, who, who communicate with the British border control and say, once they've got about halfway, so there's some dinghies coming your way, you're on a bound to pick them up and save lives. They don't turn them around and send them back to the coast. They don't stop them getting into dinghies in the first place. Why? Which very easy, Vince. They've got into the country illegally, presumably. Um, but they haven't, because once they get into Europe, they can walk through every every border they wish. But once they if they make their way to the coast, which is what he wants, they can disappear over the sea into into the UK, and therefore he's got rid of a large percentage, the thousands of, of immigrants that are arriving on the UK shores. It's a very, very easy way of getting rid of, rid of immigrants.
0: Okay so we start off looking at a public debate raging in Spain over factory war farms following remarks made by the consumer affairs minister Alberto Garthon that were published in the Guardian in late December Garthon who is a member of the left wing Unidas Podemos uh, I don't know why they just don't call it the Communist Party myself but anyway uh, the socialist party's a junior partner in Spain's coalition government, at one point compared extensive farming with factory farming. The latter which involves large numbers of animals kept indoors their entire lives, is at the heart of a global debate because of its effect on animal welfare and the environment. Extensive farming is an environmentally sustainable means of cattle farming and one that has a lot of heft in parts of Spain, such as Asturias, Castilla y León, Andalusia, Extremadura, Uh, Garthon told the UK uh, paper that is uh, sustainable, Uh, Why? what isn't at all sustainable is these so-called mega farms. They find a village in a depopulated bit of Spain, put in 4,000 or 5,000 or 10,000 head of cattle. They pollute the soil, pollute the water, then they export this poor-quality meat from these ill treated animals. Since then, Garthon has been the target of fierce criticism in Spain, even from his socialist partners in government. On Tuesday, the Agriculture Minister, Luis Planas, gave four interviews in which he underscored that the PSOE does not share Garthon's views and the, trust, the thrust of his message was not that the socialists defend livestock farming, even the intensive kind. He also noted that Spain is the European Union's fourth largest meat exporter and the eighth largest in the world. Terry, um, have you heard much about this?
1: No, not a lot, um, but it, it doesn't surprise me. Um, it, it's big business, um, albeit I think half the world's vegan nowadays, but. Uh, meat is big business and uh, mass-produced meat um, has never... Well, while I've been here, uh, traditionally mass-produced meat uh, or, farmed, or farmed animals weren't uh, de rigueur in Spain. But it is... I- I'm amazed how much it has crept up. There are about four, there, I think, in the world in, in, exporting, in, in, in mass farming and exporting meat products. Um, in, uh, so the minute you start mass farming things, then your, your quality goes down. Um, I mean, it's quite unusual when you go into the local uh, butchers and you see yellow chickens. That yeah, they look like the odd ones. Everyone was buying the <laughs> the pale chicken, which is which is the the, the factory bred chicken. Mm-hmm. Whereas the yellow chickens are free range, but they don't look right, so nobody buys them. Uh, that's the state that we've got to. Yeah, it's 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 sad that um, they've got such good meat. Uh, they've, they've they've always had a good name for good meats a uh, traditional farm, good meat, mainly up the north, where it's obviously the grass is greener. Um, but uh, to actually, yeah, to go into the mass distribution and, and farming of, of animals, um, it was a new one to me. I didn't realise how, how how big it is. Uh, and, well, that's capitalism, isn't it? So from, from this <laughs> communist-led left-wing <laughs> party representing a small minority of people in Spain, um, welcome to the world of capitalism. Well I, I don't see any most of the time I don't see any line between capitalism and communism anyway, but never mind.
0: But I think it's it, it's like in Britain, you can see little bits coming in here, there and everywhere put them all together, you get a bigger picture and you can see clearly that the communists are finding lots of different little ways of getting at everybody. If, for example, you drive from here and go straight up uh, through Teruel and right up the middle of Zaragoza, right up to the Basque Country, you don't see much of what he's talking about there. So it's obviously more as you go over to the west, I would imagine that you, you see the problem more. Um, but, I mean, at yeah. the at the oh. moment you can hardly pick and choose where you're going to make your money because if you if you go to any other sectors you're getting hit by everything, aren't you?
1: Yeah, well, I often go up to Castilla La Mancha um, area into the middle of nowhere to a tiny little village I mentioned a few times before for peace and quiet and tranquility there's not a noise there's not a shop in the village it's wonderful um, and there, all, all they have in that village is a winery and very big into grape growing all around but there is... Um, there is a chicken factory as as we call them you know a mass-produced or uh, bred and farm chickens locally which you can smell occasionally when the wind blows in the right direction and uh, and there's uh, there's a mushroom i don't know what you call them animals do you? there's a huge mushroom uh, <laughs> growing uh, plant which is very good but other than that you i've not seen anything uh, in, in driving around that part of the world It's is a lovely part of the world to drive around it really is a well worth visiting Um, but I haven't seen anything on on that line in in Castilla Mancha that's for sure
0: Okay, uh, another aspect of Spain coming up next Okay, so this should be right up your uh, street now as we look at Spain's Social Security Ministry. It's continuing with plans to reform how the self-employed make contributions to the social security system. Under its proposal uh, presented on Thursday to business associations and unions, freelancers would pay monthly contributions based on their real income, rather than a fixed monthly amount regardless of how much they make. Right now with a few exceptions, it is possible to choose one's contribution base which in turn determines the monthly fee to pay, regardless of actual income. There's a minimum payment to make even for the lowest earners. Currently, an estimated 85% of Spain's self-employed have opted for the lowest available contribution, which is €944. This amounts to a monthly payment of around €250 or more for most freelancers. The proposed reforms would dramatically change this system according to sources close to the negotiations. The Ministry has proposed creating 13 contribution brackets based on the self-employed workers' income ranging from €600 uh, Euros and to €4,050 Euros a month. The self employed in the lowest bracket would pay a minimum monthly fee of 184 euros, while those who exceed the top bracket would pay 1,267 per calendar month the Spanish government which is led of course we all know about the uh, communist tendencies now also wants to make the system more flexible according to the same sources under the proposal the self employed would be able to change their income bracket up to six times in a year on the understanding that freelance work fluctuates from month to month in this way a freelancer would be able to adapt their monthly social security contributions when they earn the most and when they earn the least according to the sources the The proposal estimates that two in three freelancers in Spain will pay lower social security contributions under the new system. The self-employed who earn between €600 and €900 a month, for example, will see savings of €600 a year. As for the €70 reduced monthly rate, the government plans to keep it in place but wants to offer it primarily to freelancers who earn less than the minimum wage. The new system is set to come into effect in 2023. The government, however, earlier indicated that it would be rolled out progressively over a nine-year period. Uh, Terry, this doesn't really reek of uh, really good housekeeping to me. It just sounds as if they're, they're making some problems. You have got a finger on the pulse much nearer to my estimation or guesstimation. What do you make of it all?
1: Well, uh, that's the bottom line, as I always vince in these conversations, is that five-letter word, money. Spain, like most countries in this world, are desperate for more money. Uh, it's cost them, uh, the Covid uh, has cost them a lot of money and they have to recapture it. So on the face of it, they are telling me that my um, my uh, self-employed payment I pay every month, which around here is uh, 200 and I think it's 289, 290 euros a month. That's the minimum uh, you can pay. You can pay more. It's you can pay, I think it used to be up to about 850 or something like that you can pay per month. And for that, we all get the same health benefits. But for that, you also get a higher pension. A friend of mine was self-employed over here up to, all the way up until he was, he retired and he, he always paid the maximum. And now he's living on a very, very very nice pension. I pay the minimum and my pension, I've just been informed will be um, €990, Euros, which is about 50 percent more than you get in the UK. Yeah, um, but on the face of what they're saying is they're they're going to make a, a, a reducing the minimum to 180 odd euros was it or something. So on the face of you, you're thinking hell they're going to uh, they're going to be less money coming in to the government if that's the case because everyone's going to opt for the lower payment. But of course when you read into it, it's paye It's pay as you earn, isn't it? Yeah. So it's going to be based on your on your declared income. Now when you realise that 95 percent I think of uh, of Spain. Um, no, that's wrong. It's, it's, Spain does have the highest number of, of, of uh, private business owners, companies, i.e., self-employed people. They have the biggest, the biggest uh, percentage uh, in Europe. Uh, so all those people are paying these taxes. Whereas somebody who's employed, yeah, like in a building company, the company is paying around about 600 euros a month towards their pension. Whereas self-employed, as I say, are paying around about 300 a month. So if they're saying they're going to reduce it, you think, well, that's good. Well, hang on. Think about this. Government never want to lose money. So it's a sliding scale. So, as I said, it's going to be based on what you declare. So, of course, everybody tries to declare the minimum, but you can't get away with that anymore. Um, But to me, the fact that it's a sliding scale, that leaves the door wide open that in the future they can tweak that very, very, very easy. In other words, they'll get everybody on it, on this sliding scale system. And once everybody's on it, then they'll tweak it and crank up the crank up the answer, so that sometime in the very near future, uh, everybody's going to be paying an awful lot more because uh, they'll have us by then. It's as simple as that. So at the minute, it's a voluntary amount that we pay. So now it's going to be an enforced amount that you pay based on, on your turnover. And all they've got to do is bump up the minimum rates. Um, and then we'll all be paying in more money to what they're after. They're completely bankrupt in Spain. The pension money is gone. That 95% of that went before Covid. So with Covid, the whole lot's gone. Um, they were bailed out by the Chinese, who bought the the bulk of the national debt here in Spain. Uh, and no doubt they're getting plenty of favours for that one. Um, it, it's, it's, it's another way of raising money through the back door. Very clever, very clever way of doing it. You know, on the face of it, we're all going to save money, but about my, my words, but I reckon within two or three years we'll only be paying an awful lot more.
0: I think also, if, as you say, you're in debt to the Chinese, I think it does tend to give me a little bit more credibility to what I think, uh, which is basically, I do think, the whole thing is veering right out of uh, the left, what we would have said was hard left, and you may as well call it all communist now. And, of course, the, the, the problem really is you might not see much of that in something like what we've just been discussing. It doesn't necessarily lend itself Mm. to immediately thinking of communism. But then when you talk about the debt that the pensions are in hock to to the Chinese for, then, yes, that makes me think, yeah, hang on, there's a bit more to this than meets the eye. Yeah,
1: yeah, there's a lot of... I mean, the Chinese aren't in my industry. They're not building... And, put, and trying to put me out of business, which they have done with the, uh, with the commercial sector. You, you, you walk down the Avenue in the in Benidorm, which is the, the massive long fuel carriageway, where it's is full of shops. And it's wall to wall Chinese businesses, wall to wall Chinese businesses. Uh, and then there's massive Chinese uh, sort of emporiums dotted all over the place where you automatically tend to go to buy something cheap, because that's exactly what you're going to get cheap in price and cheap in quality. Um, so it's it basically de- they're destroying that, and the, and the fact that they've got the hypermarkets, etc. The, the small businessman in the commercial sectors has been blown out of business completely. Um, they affect me in as much that they, the Chinese, tend to buy all the world's riches in 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 in, in metal, in wood, uh, and ship back out crap. Um, for instance, I. I Every bit of steel that I buy that goes into a steel-reinforced concrete structure, I have to prove that it's come from a guaranteed source, and has, and it gets tested. Um, ditto with the cement. Uh, we had a big cement problem years ago, where where China was buying all the cement in Spain and shipping back crap cement that was useless. Um, ditto with wood. I, I used to export a, a lot of wood from uh, from Spain, plywood, and we were getting the wood from Gabon. Well, they they did a deal with the government of Gabon to buy the whole lot. Uh, um, so that nearly put us out of business, but we managed to, bit by bit, get a small market of that back, get some more, some more wood back out of Gabon, but they just control. So you think about Chinese winning over the world by war? That's never going to happen. They don't have to. They just do it commercially. Mm,
0: I think Simple that's what's. That. I think um, that's what's going on. Uh, right, going to move on. Okay, so the National Police now have issued a warning for a new hard-to-spot method used by burglars to check whether anyone's at home before entering houses. The National Police issued this warning on the social networks against a technique. Um, They uh, are being used, this particular technique, by burglars to determine which houses are empty in order to then enter and burgle them. The method involves the criminal placing an invisible silicon thread between the door frame and the door in order to If someone lives there, the thread is difficult to detect because it is made of silicone or glue and is placed in places that are hard to spot. The National Police recommends looking carefully and calling immediately if spotted. The thread is placed and the uh, door frame, of course, and breaks if the door is open. This lets thieves know that there are people living in the residence. If they return and the thread is intact, it means that nobody is living there. At this point, they take the opportunity to enter and steal... And this is why the authorities recommend installing reinforced doors or doors that have at least two locks at different points. They also advise keeping an eye on the door, particularly if the residence is unoccupied for long periods of time. Okay, um, I think we've seen this one before, but...
1: Yeah, um, I was going to say, it's it's a very old way of uh, of, of seeing if somebody's passed through a doorway, i.e. are they in? Um, but in, in apartment blocks they've got to get into the block in the first place um, and a lot of people now, um, I have uh, electronic uh, surveillance um, when, when I'm out if anybody gets near my house I, I, they come up on the video, I can see them on my phone, uh, I can even talk to them, and tell them to bugger off um, so I, I, I've got more control that way, um, certainly with doors, we're fitting a, I've got three to fit now, four so I've got four doors to fit the next week it's security doors. Um, My security door, for instance, weighs over a quarter of a ton. To look at it, it just looks like a normal door. You're never going to get through it. The problem with that is, if you're clever, if I've got to get into a place, I do not try and get through the door. I just go in the wall, around the door. I just take the wall out around the door. It's far quicker. Um, But we have a system of fitting the door which makes it very much more difficult to, to get in that way. But traditionally, door frames in Spain uh, are, are put in place with, with six sets of cross nails, three each side of the door frame, uh, set at regular intervals where we all basically know where they are. And all I've got to do is open up the wall in six different places around the door frame, and that door and the frame, the whole lot just comes out of my hands. So it's easy, of course, that makes a noise if you like but uh, so you can get into places all you can do is make it more difficult so we all have to live in prisons in this country i'm afraid in as much that i have to have bars on my windows whether i want them or not because if i haven't got bars it looks like it's an easy place to get into it draws the attention as i tell all my clients you've got to have more visible security on the outside of your house than the neighbor that way they'll get into the neighbor's house not yours it's sad times that we live in and it's only going to get worse um, inflation being as high as it is, the poverty level, the number of people in poverty is going to increase. Um, so, it's, you know, and people have to live, you know, bless them. If people break in to get something to eat, you know, that's one thing, but trouble is most people break in just to make a messy house and steal what they can get, not necessarily to get something to eat. But uh, it's sad times that we live in, and I don't see it getting better for quite a while.
0: OK, we'll hop across the channel next. You're listening to Europe Calling with Terry Whitehead and Vince Tracy. All the news from Spain and the UK. Things you might have missed. Okay, first it was Operation Big Dog. Now they're talking about Operation Red Meat. And Boris Johnson has a cunning plan involving a series of popularity boosting measures that he hopes will allow him to redeem himself. Boris is facing an unprecedented crisis at the hands of a public infuriated by his shameful behavior during the pandemic. The revelation of various parties at number 10 Downing Street when the rest of the population was in lockdown has sparked outrage and calls for him to resign. In an attempt to redeem himself and retain his position, he's begun an operation in the hope it will pacify people. And um, reportedly he intended on lifting the Plan B COVID restrictions on January 26th and will soon announce a new strategy for dealing with the NHS backlog of operations, a crisis that has been worrying a large part of the population for more than three months. Um, It's a plan for additional funds for skills and training to help 1.5 million who are unemployed and on, on benefits. Another measure involves handling the, sorry, handing the responsibility for dealing with the migrant crisis and the illegal channel crossings over to the military. He's also going to publish Michael Gove's long awaited levelling up paper for improving life in the north's most neglected cities. And he's going to freeze the yearly BBC licence fee for two years, an initiative he aims at uh, improving the cost of living. Finally, he will implement a ban on drink and alcohol in the vicinity of number 10 which I think the last two are probably nearer what he's really up to. Uh, let's take the BBC one for a start. Um, he's going to freeze the BBC money. and um, freeze. The, uh, well, in fact, I think it looks like they're trying to get rid of it altogether. But um, I also think that they know that the BBC is totally and utterly aware of some of the things that he's been getting up to. They can call them shenanigans, they can call them what they like But I mean it's not the work that you'd expect a a Prime Minister to be involved in Not really good reading for people um, who, okay, we're expats But we still probably, you feel the same as I do We want the country to thrive We've got roots there But um, he doesn't leave really a lot of um, uh, confidence for other people He doesn't inspire it, does he? Well he does
1: far as I'm concerned. The trouble is, at lunchtime, I sat down uh, like an idiot, put the BBC news on. 17 minutes, that seems to be a magic figure of the BBC, like recently, 17 minutes talking about a a possible party a year ago in number 10. After 17 minutes, they started talking about the uh, more than likely war that's about to break out any day now in Ukraine with Russia and the fact that Britain, uh, America, and half of the European states have pledged to defend the Ukraine. 17 minutes, Vince, to talk about a bloody party. It's all about the trying to get rid of Boris. Now, cast your mind back to earlier last year. Oh, no, September time last year, I think it was. I remember watching on the same BBC news the fact that they had a bloke from BP on, Petrol, saying that um, they were having to shut Six six garages, six petrol garages. The BBC took that and rode up with that for over eight days, pushing it and making it bigger and bigger. What did they do? People reading it, they're shutting garages. I better go and fill the car up. So everyone went out and filled the car up, where instead of putting the usual 20 quid in, they started putting 100 quid worth of juice in the cars, which obviously very quickly drained the tanks of the local petrol station, causing the petrol shortage, which was blamed on Boris getting rid of tanker drivers uh, with with Brexit, forcing them out of the country, so there's no more tanker drivers to, to drive the, the petrol. There was more than enough petrol in the country. There's, there was more than enough drivers in the country to carry on doing their normal deliveries. No problem. But they can only carry so much petrol on a garage forecourt. And when every car turning up fills the tank, it doesn't take long for that court to sh- put the shutters up and say out of petrol, creating a national crisis which the BBC went on and milked to all it could. Have you heard anything of the petrol shortage recently, Vince? Of course not. BB- no, not a bloody word. They so they, repeatedly have always been a left-wing uh, entity, uh, but they're never more so than now. And I'm getting so angry with some of the presenters who are obviously employed for their left-wing bias rather than their they're savvy. Um, journalists don't make me laugh. A journalist used to go out and find the story. The BBC, you just have to create the story. And that's exactly what they're doing. Hence, a party, uh, people having a, a drink at, um, at Downing Street, these people are, are crammed into the rooms, driving the country, not just fighting COVID, fighting, fighting everything, St- trying to sort out the, this horrendous problem with with Russia. With, with every other countries in the world, other, with Syria, with Lebanon, with, with, with Iran, with Iraq. Uh, all these people that are there trying to sort out the world's problems. And at the end of the day, I don't know about you, well, yeah, you don't drink of such, but I would come out of there and think, I'm going to have to go and have a drink. I deserve a drink today. I'll go and have a drink. What they can't do is go down to the local pub and have a drink because of the nature of their business. When you have a drink, you start discussing with your mates what you've been doing at work today. And what they do at work cannot be discussed in public. So to go and have a drink in the garden sounds perfectly normal to me, to be honest with you, these people are running the country. These people are defending us. The fact they slip out and have a drink in the garden and not go out on the street is a damn sight safer than Keir Starmer having a, a drink inside a heavily populated room when he was when he was up in uh, one of the up north uh, for, the, for the by-election. Uh, having a drink and a, a pizza and a sandwich. that was a party. At least, least in the in Downing Street, they went outside in the garden and had it. Yeah, I'll defend them to go and have a drink because that's, that's exactly what I'd go and do. I promise you. I know it doesn't look very good. I know the Queen sat there on her own in, in, in church while her husband gets buried in front of her. Can't even sit with the family. I know. I appreciate that. But you've got to have some sense in this. And frankly, what Boris Johnson has done is, is incredible what he's doing. He won't be out. He'll carry on. Nothing's going to happen there at all. He'll carry on, he'll do what he's got to do. He won't be there at the next election, but he'll, he'll carry on.
0: I'll just remind our listeners what we do. You're listening to Europe Calling with Terry Whitehead and Vince Tracy. All the news from Spain and the UK. Things you might have missed. Now, um, I wasn't really looking for things to do with China because we have talked about this in the past, but I did spot this and I thought, well, I've got to to talk about it. MPs can expect MI5 warnings about Chinese spies trying to subvert Parliament. Uh, These will become more commonplace as the communist regime seeks to make UK politics Politics more favourable towards Beijing. Now, these words are coming from Priti Patel. So, this is the Home Secretary addressing the Commons in the wake of the scandal over access given to the lawyer Christine Lee. She last week had been outed as a Chinese agent. Ms. Lee, a Birmingham based lawyer, donated hundreds of thousands of pounds to Labour, the Conservatives, and the Liberal Democrats. The alert from the security service said that a twice-married mother of two who lives in the affluent Birmingham suburb of Coles Hill was knowingly engaged in political interference activities on behalf of the United Front Work Department of the Chinese Communist Party. No politicians are suspected of any criminality. Addressing the Commons, Ms Patel said, we can expect to see these kinds of alerts becoming more commonplace as a result of the work of our world-class intelligence agencies who have adapted to counter these new and emerging threats, she added. In this case, the aim was to make the UK political landscape more favourable to the Chinese authorities' agenda and to challenge those who raise concerns about the Chinese authorities' activities on very pressing issues such as human rights. I, like all members across this House, was utterly appalled at an individual who has knowingly engaged in political interference activities on behalf of the Chinese Communist Party for a number of years. targeted members of this Parliament, Ms. Lee is a former chief legal adviser to the Chinese Embassy in London and a legal adviser to the Overseas Chinese Affairs Office. She's also the secretary of the Inter-Party China Group at Westminster. She's donated more than 500000 to Jeremy Corbyn, ally, ally, sorry, Barry Gardner, including around £200,000 used to pay staff wages. Her son, Daniel Wilkes, worked in his office and Mr Gardner confirmed he had resigned today. Um, I think that was last Thursday, meaning he has had privileged access to the parliamentary estate with a staff pass. There's no suggestion he was involved in his mother's activities. Mr Gardner has been supportive of China's attempts to get more involved in Britain's nuclear industry, including the Hinkley Point power plant. Mr Gardner thanked MPs from across the House for the kind messages I have received over the past few days. Um, I've got to say, uh, although it's telling us here that her son Daniel Wilkes, who worked in Mr Gardner's office, has got nothing to do with all this... Um, I do find it rather strange (laughs) that he's been working in there and, you know, obviously he had access. What do you think, Terry?
1: Of course he's working there. His boss received £587,000 from his mum. Now, isn't this a bit disgusting? We've got 17 minutes on the BBC News talking about a possibility of a party at number 10. And this doesn't really get a mention. It's been mentioned, but no-one's ever really bringing it up. No-one's ever going, hang on, the Chinese paid... Five hundred eighty-seven thousand pounds to a shadow minister. We're not just talking about an MP here. We're talking about a shadow minister. As a shadow minister, he gets all the briefings from the security of the United Kingdom. He, they get all the briefings. They've got the same knowledge. They have to because they're in shadow government. He's a privileged. He's, he's privileged to privileged knowledge. And in that, in his office, he's got the. the the son of this of the woman who's bunged in five hundred and eighty-seven thousand quid, as, which has no doubt gone to wonderful sources. To, uh, 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 to, to, to obviously there won't be any any problem there, no doubt, of where the money's gone. But no one's asking the question. No one's asking the question. How long has it been going on? How long? How far has the tentacles of of, of this Chinese spy network, basically what it is, been happening? And talk about money for for, for favours. Being launched at, being launched at conservative MP. This is nothing's ever mentioned about it. Nothing's mentioned about Keir Stammer having his party with his his people up in Harrogate, I think it was. fully, fully, blatantly unmasked with his butler beer in his hand and his lump of pizza in a, in a crowded room. Nothing's meant. Oh, it was a work thing. All oh, right, it was a work thing. Okay, that's good. Yeah, but you're having a drink and you're eating and having a jolly and having a bit of fun with everybody. That's a work thing, is it? It's dual standards of the most of the utmost most disgusting levels that I can see is what's happening perpetrated by left wing press well it's uh, absolutely a
0: as you know, I tended to have come out fairly early on talking about china and um, you know, I told you and I'd tell anybody that when I went and read the Communist Party manifesto, OK, it didn't actually say it was the Chinese Communist Party, but it was a Communist Party manifesto. So I, I see quite clearly that both Russia and the Chinese will be working together through the international communist movement. I've got a comment here from BC United Kingdom Uh, because the far left run BBC and don't forget the far left is just another turn for commies and now Labour is stacked with Russian and Chinese commies along with their renter crowds and Labour friendly spin doctor hacks who do nothing but hinder this wonderful country and its wonderful people communism eh? When has communism ever helped the people? Not once ever but communist leaders have a habit of helping themselves. Ask the Russians about their oligarchs and ask the no, everyday people of China they know
1: you, Vince, you... I've always said when I've got enough money I'm going to join the Communist Party because it's brilliant because it's going to protect my money and my power fantastic I'll be, I'll be a communist then no problem at all keep the flag flying brother it, it's, it's, it's oppression it's t- total dictatorial as can be seen in Russia as can be seen in China it's, but it's still capitalism. They're still out there trying to get as much money, grabbing as much money, but grabbing as much territory as they can get. This is why of, of, of stealing.
0: This is why I, th- I think sometimes, you know, you give me the impression that you think a lot of what I say might not be anywhere near credible. But this is why I, I would not be at all surprised if somewhere... Somebody is on the other end of a telephone call from China. Somebody is saying, if you do not lock down the people and do this, we will do this. And possibly another mutant uh, variation of whatever comes along, and we've got another thing to worry about. I mean, I do really believe that there's far more still going on that, than anybody can tell. And that really, it's just horrible to think that you know we're all living a life. It's it's almost like we're our lives are are on hold at the moment. And um, you know, much as I do, I do have Chinese friends. Um, I don't think they particularly might be um, involved in all of this. But having said that. When you actually look at some of the things that uh, we've gone through, and suddenly, just before they've happened, all the Chinese restaurants, all the Chinese uh, shops have suddenly closed. You think to yourself, hang on, you know, why did they close? Nobody was ever able able to give me an answer to this. Just before the first lockdown, all the Chinese places closed.
1: I didn't notice that.
0: Well, I certainly did. And I'll tell you why I did is because we had to go. Well, I wanted to go for a meal to with two friends and, and myself and Anne. Uh, we were going to look um, for somewhere to eat. And each of the places we were going to um, around Lanuthea, each place had closed down. And um, when we were looking for the reason, nobody could, could give me the reason. There, there wasn't a reason. There weren't even any notices explaining why they've closed down. I just found that very bizarre. Well, many businesses,
1: were well, many businesses closed down over COVID.
0: Yeah, but this was, just, this was slightly ahead of the first time everybody decided that they had to be closed down. It was slightly ahead oh. of that, Terry. It was very, very weird, very suspicious. Yeah. Okay, I'm
1: going to move on. Well, the thing that I find, I find, thing that I find very strange, uh, which is sounds, bear with me, is uh, all the different soaps that you have in the UK, which now have such a, a completely disproportionate amount of of, of uh, coloured, uh, black, Asian characters throughout the cast. It's basically spot the white man. Um, a couple, a couple with massive amounts of homosexual and gay couples completely disproportionate to the national average, um, on the basis that we have to have we have to have equality for everything now, you know, we have to show. Can you name one program that's got Chinese character in it? Oh on, I haven't <laughs> <laughs> seen one. So there's something going wrong somewhere. Hmm. Obviously the BBC and that don't like Chinese people. Well, I mean look,
0: when Pretty Patel was busy saying that about the Chinese and their influence What was also going through my mind was if you look at the number of the Muslim faith that have suddenly got eminent positions in Britain's parliament, um, that again is another thing that really just makes me wonder. I'm only saying... I look at these things and think, well, hang on, that's about the fourth or the fifth that's done pretty well at the moment. So is there a bit more to it? Then being placed in a situation where you could maybe affect the amount of immigration, uh, illegal migrants or whatever we're going to call them coming across the channel. And then when you look at who, who could do something about it, um, it is rather strange, to say the very least, the reaction that nothing seems to be getting done.
1: Well, the t- mayor of London is, is is the next leader in the next socialist leader in what, waiting. That's for sure, no doubt about it. Hmm. Um, and very um, Sunak could well be the next prime minister uh, in Britain.
0: Okay, um, that 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 says it all.
1: be that. It's cousin, budding, I suppose.
0: Okay, if we don't start using some common sense and start concentrating on things that truly matter, the woke brigade could one day lead us all into total disaster. The latest edict from this collection of fruitcakes is their disapproval of the characters that play the Puerto Rican gang in the musical West Side Story. Apparently the PCs are peeved because the cast don't all originate from Puerto Rico. You really couldn't make this all up, I'm reading, of course. This statement is a bit rich, emanating from a bunch that were quite happy to condone a black actress portraying Anne Boleyn. Or the distortion of British history by the BBC when it presented a whole cast of black actors portraying the aristocracy in the period season Bridgerton. However, the fact of the matter is all these people are precisely that, actors. It's fantasy land. Pretending to be something or someone other than themselves is what the thespians do. It is the whole purpose of their profession. In fact, their entire worth and success largely depends on how they convincingly can, pu- can actually pull off these various personalities. Heaven help any film company who, under the jurisprudence of the work- Wokers, decide to do a remake of Ben-Eur. Making sure all the thousands of extras and multitudes of stars all come from Rome, or at the very least Italy, would be a marathon task indeed. And don't even get me started on The Wizard of Oz." Now, these examples of Wokersism are, of course, pretty silly and somewhat light-hearted. But the fact of the matter is that these pathetic cranks have now infiltrated everywhere... Many have attained positions which enable them to influence and even ruin the lives of a whole multitude of citizens. Their apparent unchecked ability to instigate loony left-wing policies and continuing efforts to suppress the freedom of speech is the direct, direct result of a PC brainwashed British society having been made to feel thoroughly ashamed of a whole host of historical achievements and accomplishments. Indigenous white Brits, that's you and I, Terry, desperate to appease and reconcile their past evils are allowing these nutcases to get away with actions and edicts that would have been laughed at a few years ago. And why do I consider them all so dangerous? Because of their completely irresponsible priorities, which we put on. This has been our theme for the last couple of podcasts. Um, while they have us all, including the politicians, twitching about the same-sex toilets, taking the knee, multi gendering and encouraging millions of immigrants, the Iranians with their nuclear aspirations, Russia with its troop gathering on the borders of Ukraine and the Chinese pretending to take back Taiwan are threatening to drag us all into the brink of a third and undoubtedly final global conflict. I mean, this is a very, very well-written piece because, quite frankly, it's exactly what's going on and if we, as the man uh, that wrote it says, if we don't stop wasting time and get rid of these politically correct jokers we truly will become diversified there will be bits of us mixed up everywhere it
1: doesn't look good I agree, and it's that that, that, but they've only proliferated because we've allowed it to happen, all of us have allowed it to happen, none of us we all moan about it but none of us has got off our backsides and confronted them. Well, while they're organised. I think, I think this you is see national this is how national socialism started before the second World war. This is how Hitler, a little corporal, came to power and nearly took over the world by by using the apathy of people. Obviously it turned then into an awful lot of violence, for his original foothold was having meetings and 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 getting people elected in large numbers. Be, but worked on people's apathy to actually attend a meeting and, and, and have a vote. And it's because of that, and we all don't give a monkey, so I mean, how many people actually vote. You know, everyone says, well, we've got to fight for a democracy and we send our troops to war to fight for democracy, and then you get a 60% turnout in the general elections. What's that tell you? The, well, the country don't deserve don't deserve democracy. But until somebody's strong enough to stand up to these, and there's only one person that can do it, by as I can see, and that's the bloke who's in power at the minute in Britain. He's the only one, because certainly won't get anything out of Keir Starmer or anybody else. Um, uh, They won't be doing anything about it, but he can. But he's he's trying to do something now by by organising... The problem
0: really is who is totally immersed in what? Now, if you want to go through the origins of uh, the United Kingdom becoming a multicultural society, the person to blame there is Margaret Thatcher, a Tory. Which, you know, you and I both grew up probably with a sneaking admiration for the fact that she stood up to all the men and all the nonsense that was going on. Uh, And yet, when we think about it, and we look at the likes of Ronald Reagan, I mean, realistically, a film star and um, the first female Prime Minister in the UK. They really have made us feel as if there's nothing for us at the moment. Why is that Vince? Okay. I suppose what it is really, Terry, is when you look at uh, what you said a few minutes ago, when I look at the TV advertising in particular, this last couple of months, it's been really weird. It's almost as if the whole of Britain have had a big, big change in the makeup of society. Things that I was led to believe were important, you know, as a teacher, when we were doing our courses to train to be a teacher, things we were told, they seem to have not been the things that they now seem to think are okay. It's almost like I feel I've wasted maybe the best part of 10 years of my life. And, you know, as I say, the other thing that was so evident in the last couple of, I'd say, maybe two months, is the way all the advertising has suddenly changed to Change the whole of the British people to a, a race of black people, which I don't have a problem with black people, at all. It's just basically, the, again, we're losing the the sense of balance. I don't. Have you noticed it with the adverts, for example?
1: Oh God, yes. I quite agree. Listen, I, I have no problem. I'm not racist. It might sound that way, but I'm. I'm if if the predominant uh, people on TV were Manchester United supporters. And vocally so, I will be upset about it. Doesn't mean to say that I, I hate. I hate the Man United. I'll, I'll hate the fact that diversity has been has been um, robbed, and and they're, they're on the back of diversity, they're creating their own exclusivity. It's becoming it's becoming racist in in another manner. In as much as you say, you any advert you flick on now. Uh, you can't use you cannot use the term multicultural. You can because it is. But as a reflection of British society, it isn't. If it's seven percent, I think, of, of British society is colored, then then surely seven percent of all adverts, television programs, soaps, films, seven percent would be a, a reasonable reflection. Unless you're talking about a, 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 a black society Um, film or play or whatever this, that but you can't, you couldn't possibly have a white society play without having coloured people in it I I don't, I know I should say people of colour but bear with me it's never going to happen you
0: can't have,
1: you can't have coloured you can't not have coloured people in everything and add to that of course then you've got the, the gay lesbian fraternity, every every I mean, how many gay lesbians that are in Coronation Street and Emmerdale and EastEnders and all the other different ones as a proportion of society in general, it's completely wrong, you know. And it appears to get on this world, you've got to be gay, have one leg shorter than the other uh, and ideally be coloured. And then you've got a chance of getting on somewhere.
0: I think this is what I was trying to get across because um, by all means, uh, if, for example, we wanted to get a a BBC job, um, you know... Disappointment came. I mean, I wrote reams and reams of letters to try and get back into a situation which I would like to have been in. So it's not really just a bit of uh, jealousy or anything. It's just basically, I mean, like everybody else, I've got favourite black actors. I've got favourite black uh, black singers. Stacks of favourite mm. black singers. Black footballers got some favourite black footballers. You know, I, I don't even really enjoy saying the word black because. I don't think of me being white and another person being black. I don't think like that, Terry. And yet this seems to be something that's being hammered through the uh, social media, through the um, through the likes of the adverts, through the likes of the soap operas. They're making something happen, which should never, ever be happening. That's what I
1: really was trying to say. Well, well, isn't that exactly what's happening in society? Isn't that exactly what's happening with the BBC? They create news. They're not, they're not broadcasters of news and enlighteners of news events, as was seen today on the two o'clock lunch news, where it took 17 minutes to even mention the word Ukraine and, and the imminent attack of the Russian troops. 17 minutes. But they were talking about news that they create. And ditto when I said before about the, the, the petrol crisis, the BBC created it, as was proven it was created. It didn't just the petrol crisis just didn't disappear on its own. The only reason why it disappeared is everybody had filled the tanks. So they have no reason to go to the garages anymore. You know, okay. it's 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 media driving society.
0: Yeah, I, I do agree, by the way. Um, We'll finish with a lighter note, uh, which is very difficult to find, but Ireland has announced a four-day St. Patrick's Day weekend this year as a thank you to the nation for sacrifices made during the COVID pandemic. Politicians have announced a new public holiday that will take place this year on March the 18th, the day after St. Patrick's Day, meaning workers will be off from Thursday until Sunday. The holiday then will be made permanent, but will fall on St. Bridget's Day, February the 1st in future years. Ministers have also signed off on a tax-free £800 bonus that will be paid to frontline healthcare workers to thank them for the service. The money will be paid to all workers, ambulance staff, student nurses and Defence Force members who were drafted in to assist with the vaccination rollout. So if you want your Guinness, I think you'll find there's a lot of it about around the 17th of March this year.
1: There certainly will be. There certainly will be. There, there, listen, what has to be addressed in the UK imminently is the, the, the state of the NHS. A, the management of it, in inverted commas, bad, close commas, and the fact that there aren't enough staff, there aren't enough staff. But Brexit was, was one of the reasons why an awful lot of staff left, left, the, left the, uh, the service. And it needs to be addressed. Now, you can't suddenly uh, employ uh, 50,000 new nurses and doctors. They, they have to be trained and they have to be encouraged to be trained. Well, let me Therefore, just go... the wages of nurses have to be increased to encourage that. Terry, we're
0: going to go over a minute. The reason being, I actually heard something that was supposed to be taking place. I can't for the life of me think that this can be true, but have you heard anything that these migrants that are coming across the channel will be given the jobs to go in the health service? Because I couldn't believe that if, that's, if that is if that is what, what people are saying. Could that be true?
1: Well, that's, I haven't got a problem with that. I mean, the, the the government said when they pulled the shutters down with Brexit, i.e. if you're not legally, uh, uh, if you haven't got a legal right to remain in the country, you have to leave. Fair enough. That happened here in Spain the same. Brits had to get out of Spain, um, but they do have the fact that the the ability to bring in trades as they need them. Now, well, I, I don't. I don't it, have. This a, is a trade that's needed.
0: I don't have any problem with the fact that it's needed, but I'm just thinking most of those people coming across the Channel seem to not have any papers, and um, the way we've had donkey's years of people telling us to get in the national health service or the the civil service or the teaching Unions or anything like that. We have to be well well and truly qualified If you've heard anything
1: They they haven't got any papers because they throw over the side of a dinghy halfway across the channel The the reason why they haven't got any papers is so they can't be returned back to their inverted commas their country Um, That's why they haven't got any papers so it's, it's, uh, well, I suppose they could always say, oh, I remember I remember what country I'm from now. Mm. Um, and my if if don't care. If, if, if they're qualified, if they're qualified um, physicians and nurses, give them a job. I have got a problem with that. It's the punches I've got a problem with. The ones that lead on society. Uh,
0: OK, Terry, I uh, think we could go for another hour on that particular topic. But uh, once again, time's <laughs> beaten us and... Um, We look forward to next week.
1: Yeah. Okay. Lovely. Thanks,
0: Terry. Bye.